Welcome everybody to Between Us. I am your host, Ashleen Chan, and I'm so thrilled to bring you another episode. And I'm joined by somebody who is very special to me, my friend, Sam. I invited her here today to talk about parenting and share our experiences about parenting, some of the methods that we have used and how that has been beneficial in helping us discipline and provide the right path for my niece and for your kids. But before we start, I want to give the audience a little bit of a background on how we know each other. So Sam and I have known each other since high school. So when I had transferred schools as a sophomore into a new city, she was the first one to befriend me. And Sam, so do you want to tell people how you found me? So I remember we were in PE class and you just looked so lost. And I said to myself, yeah, I need to befriend her. And I took you in, I approached you and I said, hey, do you want to be friends? Come join me and my team. And then, you know, I introduced you to our the team members in PE class. And then I remember also seeing you around school. So then, you know, I approached you again and then introduced you to my other group of friends who are now like really, really close. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're all still hanging out together. So yeah, that's when I remember you were very lost. I really was because I had only been in the country, I think like a year and a half at that time. We had immigrated from Fiji and still not over the culture shock, dealing with the culture shock, barely acclimating to the school system. And then we were uprooted to move to another city. So here I was starting school all over again for the second time in the US. And I am so grateful <laughs> that you took I me know. in. Honestly, it's not really in my nature to approach people like a real introvert, mm. you know? And, but for some reason, something just told me to come up to you. And just befriend you. And I'm very, oh. very glad that I did. I am grateful and I'm so like, thank you for befriending me. Your one action, right, opened up the world for me. Like I got to connect with the other girls and we have all journeyed through so much in our lives and we're all got closer. We've seen everybody grow individually. And, you know, it's almost 22, 23 years of friendship. Some of the girls went to different schools. We ended up going to the same university for a little bit. But after that, life took us into different paths. Everybody got busy with, you know, their individual growth and their next stages in life. And it's been so beautiful to see everybody grow. But recently, we've had a chance to kind of come back mm -hmm. and regroup, catch up and get back into each other's lives. And to me, it's such a full circle moment having from where we started 20 plus years ago to reconnecting to when you first found me. And here you are as my first guest. I couldn't be more pleased. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. You're very, and you know, I always, when you are a friend to me, you always want the best for your friend. You love your friend, you want the best for them. So anytime I see my friends succeed, I feel like I'm succeeding in life as well. And that's how I should always be. So yeah, very happy and very, very happy to support you right now. 
Thank you. I am so honored and so floored by just your kindness and your compassion. And I really wish for everybody listening to this that they can find genuine people in their lives who are well-wishers for each other's success from the core of their being. And I feel like that is hard to find, but I hope to the listeners who are listening to us know that it's possible. You know, sometimes you have to go through different personalities, but there you will find your group of people, your tribe who will be there for you through thick and thin. And I am so glad to call you and our group of women, friends that I know I can rely upon. And I know we all feel that way towards each other. So absolutely. On that warm and cozy note, let's dive into the topic of parenting, which is what we're here to talk about. During one of our recent catch ups, we were, you know, we were just sharing like our thoughts about the different styles we use to discipline our kids. And I was uh, really pleased and you gave me food for thought about some of the methods you use. And I thought that's what I wanted to talk to audience about today. Parenting. It is definitely not an easy topic for discussion because there are so many different school of thoughts on how one should parent. And the list of to the do's and don'ts is just endless. Parenting is such a deeply personal journey and there's no universal formula that will say, if you do X, you'll be successful. You have to figure it out as you go along. And every family has its own unique set of values, tradition, these cultural norms, philosophies that impact and influence how children are raised. So I want to ask you, Sam, how were you raised growing up? Like you are from an Asian background. I'm South Asian background. Just for our listeners, describe to me growing up in that cultural setting, what methods did your parents use for disciplining? Were they really strict? Yeah. So my parents were very strict with us. They always kept an eye on us. I was always on my mom's side. I was always helping my mom. She really relied on me to help her out a lot. I didn't really have, I would say, a normal American childhood. You know what I mean? Where we were into sports, after mm-hmm. school activities. We didn't have any of that. It was, you go to school, right after school, come home, you help whatever. I helped whatever my mom needed me to help her with. We didn't have a lot of money. So one way my mom made extra money was she would prepare foods and sell them in the back of her trunk. And this was while you were in high school or even younger? Younger. Wow. Elementary school. I would help my mom prepare the foods, not really prepare, but like maybe wash Mm -hmm. vegetables or the noodles or something while she was cooking it. And then afterwards, I would help her with the dishes, helping her clean up. I mean, that was my after school activity, helping her sell the foods. So in between doing homework and then helping with the foods and cleaning up, that was what I grew up with. My mom really relied on me a lot uh, to help her with that responsibility. Is it because you're the eldest? It was. Eldest daughter? Eldest daughter. I am not the oldest. Uh, I have an older brother and then a younger sister because I'm the oldest. 
daughter, she really relied on me a lot to help her out. And I think that was also a way to keep me in her sight. She didn't want me to go out, oh, I don't want you to get in trouble. I don't want you to get into drugs or be a young mom. So this is kind of her way to make sure that I am behaving. And you're too occupied to get into any sort of trouble. Yeah. Eventually, though, I was able to join the volleyball team like in high school, but that Mm -hmm. took many, many years of her to kind of adjust to that idea that in America, you need to let your kids go and have them be independent. Whereas in Asia, it was a lot of helping the family, helping with your parents. And that's what you did. I think in Asian and South Asian communities, you're sort of in, it's an unspoken understanding that you are you burden with responsibilities even if you want to be independent you will still to a certain extent feel a sense of responsibility that you have to fulfill wouldn't you agree i mean that's from my experience yeah there's a lot of i guess unspoken rules yes unspoken rules yeah absolutely you that you have to follow whether or not you want to you just have to do it So when you wanted to start playing volleyball in high school, did you have a conversation with your mom? Or do you think that she felt comfortable knowing that you had spent so many years by her side that, you know, she trusted in her upbringing and seeing you not rebel or be troublesome that she allowed you to go and play for the team? I think it was multiple things. I think it was a lot of factors. And then I also feel like it was just her friends helping her acclimate to the American ways, high school students, students in general. We do these activities, these after-school activities to help us get into maybe college or just this is a form of us to socialize. I think it was kind of her friends and relatives who kind of changed her mind, helped change her mind having us do this into allowing us to participate in after-school activities. And then I also know that she was very trusting of the friends that I have made in high school. Mm -hmm. She trusted me. She trusted my friends. And then that's when she was like, okay, yes, right, I I will allow you to. Right, because we went over, yeah. Mm -hmm. Were you, do you ever remember a time where you were disciplined by your mom or your dad? Multiple times. What did you do? Oh my God. And how did they discipline you? Oh my gosh. I remember one time I was out late for senior ball, right? Wasn't that curfew midnight then? It was, but I didn't come home. And I don't remember what, a lot later, my dad has been had been trying to He was trying to contact me. And then I said, I couldn't call anybody because my cell phone died. Like the battery's dead. Oh yeah, we had that flip phone back then. Or did you have the pager? I had the Nokia. Oh yes, 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 yes. So the battery died. No way of contacting. I was actually with my boyfriend. And then when I finally did come home, he was up. He was very angry. Very, very angry. And I was like, oh shoot, I know I'm in big trouble. And then I, he was like, where, where have you been? You know, where did you go? We've been trying to call you up sick, worried about you. And I said, I couldn't call anyone. And I blamed it on my phone. 
<laughs> of course. Took my phone and he smashed it on the floor. And he said, if you're not going to use it properly, you don't need a phone at all. Fair enough. That's when I was like, oh my gosh, I totally lost his trust. And he gave me that phone for these types of reasons. I was not supposed to be out so late. And if I was, and I, if I knew that I was going to be home late, I was supposed to call, but mm -hmm. I never did that. So I really lost his trust and he was very disappointed in me. So he took my phone and he smashed it. But then obviously dad felt very bad. <laughs> he got me a phone like the next week or so. <laughs> And I was like, okay. So sweet. So that was the thing. I That was when I was, I knew I lost his trust. And, and I'm sure that probably you felt that more deeply yeah. than any other punishment or discipline he would have used is that disappointment and yeah. seeing the moment the trust lost, uh, left his eyes. Oh, yeah. That was the biggest disappointment. I felt like I was such disappointment as a daughter. And so, yeah, I knew that I needed to make it up and I knew he was very furious, very furious. So even if there was no physical discipline, that was enough. That spoke volumes. That was enough for me to know that I messed up big time. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I don't know what I would do. I think I have had the similar experience, but when I was very young. So in Fiji, we were expected to do really well in school. And there was a lot of pressure to perform. And my dad expected in a class of like 44 to 48 students, you had to place in the top three. Yes. Wow. Every single year. Because he knew we were capable. And my dad was extremely smart. All our families back home in Fiji at that time, and even now, the ones who are overseas, they're all educators. So they've been in academia their entire lives. So if the school I'm attending, a relative's teaching there, another relative is a principal at another school, these high school teachers, there's a lot of pressure. And I remember, I think it was in my midterm exam, the first time in my life, I came forth and I was trembling. I didn't want to go home and show him the report card. And he looked at it and I remember, like you said, the disappointment in his face. And I thought I would get like a, an ass whooping part of my language that day. But that disappointment, and he didn't even say a whole lot, spoke volumes. Mm -hmm. And you best believe after that, the following year, we sat for a nationwide exam. And I topped in two subjects. And my dad would never tell you that he outwardly, that he's so proud of you. Instead, he, you know, I would always hear it from other people's mouths much later. And I think there is a, when you see the disappointment in your father's faces, it hits differently yeah. than it does with the mom. With my mom, I mean, I would annoy her. I was a tall boy and I was much younger. And so, you know, and kids can be like unruly. They don't always listen. And I was none the better. I remember like when she would be fed up and she wanted then, you know, the physical punishment was coming, like the spanking on your butt, mm -hmm. on your hands. She would literally go and tell us to go pick out the stick. <laughs> that she would whoop us with. What? Yes. And she would say, go to this tree and pick the branch that is not the thickest 
a slightly thinner one because that hurts more. So I would go pick it and bring it to her. And the minute I handed it, I would jump out the window. I'd run into another bedroom. I'd jump out the window and don't worry, guys. Like, it wasn't like a big fall. I would land on my feet and I would go climb a mango tree. So because I knew she wasn't going to climb up there. And I'd sit there for hours until she would go home. Mm-hmm. Because there was a period of time when I was living with my maternal grandparents, not my paternal ones. And so I would just sit up there until she went home and I could crawl back down and go and just kind of slide into the kitchen and get an earful from my grandmother. But I know that I'm safe from my mom's beating. But there was a couple of times, you know, I got a good spanking because I wasn't listening, but it wasn't too often. I think, you know, what you were saying to Sam from a very young age, I have just been not born with I guess you could say born with a sense of responsibility but I always knew that I had to act properly go to school get good grades help out that expectation was there yes I was allowed to be a kid and run around and you know go play rugby with the boys and girls be a child but they also expected me to help out in all of the day-to-day responsibilities as well. And now when I look back at it, it was for our own good. Yeah. Because we learned so much from it. We didn't complain. And then I would be rewarded too. Like I also remember like as punishment sometimes, you know, my dad would have us iron his clothes every Sunday. Sometimes I would be rewarded by getting like 50 cents or a dollar for like 10 shirts that I ironed. But other times if I was acting out, I would still do what needed to get done, but I wouldn't be rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. And I think now that I think back to it, they did such a good job and no parent is perfect. We're always going to find imperfections of, with small things that they didn't do well. But at a very early age, they taught us in their own way that every action has consequences. Yeah. And sometimes we don't see it in that moment. But if you just, as years go by and you become a parent yourself, you really reflect back on, okay, it wasn't so outwardly obvious, but in their actions, there was so much learning. And there are things we couldn't comprehend because our brains were so young. Because we are so young. Yes. But in hindsight, when you do become a parent or when you have little ones that you're watching and that you're trying to teach, to mold these little minds into responsible adults. You know, I do see myself taking on some of the disciplines that my parents- Absolutely, same year. Yeah, did to me because I felt like it is something needed and it is something that I learned from. Mm -hmm. So I want my kids to learn from that too. Whether or not they'll learn from it, their own way on their own time Mm -hmm. that they'll still learn from it absolutely yeah they'll learn it when they become parents there's certain things that won't be obvious until you go through certain transitions and phases in your life yes very nice so now that we've discussed how we were raised i want to talk about some of our parenting styles so for the audience listening in sam is a parent to two wonderful boys. I am not a parent in the sense that I haven't had an opportunity to carry a pregnancy. However, I have had the pleasure of raising my niece from the day she was brought home from the hospital four consecutive years. Then she wasn't with me for a short time. And then I've by and large had her for about a good 
12 to 13 years of her life. So I've had the pleasure of being called a mom mm-hmm. by her. So she is, you know, I always joke with my sister and I say, she's mine first, your second. So I want to now share with the audience some of our parenting methods that we have used. And I always joke around, you know, with you group of ladies and some of my other friends and say, oh, I think I'm a tiger mom. Mm-hmm. But like while preparing for this podcast, I was, you know, I thought, let me really look up what a tiger mom really is. And I'm going to quickly read here what the definition is or what I found rather. It says, tiger mom parenting usually refers to a style of parenting that is characterized by strict demanding and high pressure methods, often focused on achieving academic excellence and success in various areas. Now, if I look at this definition of a tiger mom, there are definitely a few characteristics that have showed up in the approach that I took with my niece when I was raising her. And of those characteristics, the one I closely identified with were discipline, structure, expectations, not extremely high, and definitely routine. And she needed to have a routine. Yes. So a little bit of a background on my niece. My niece, unfortunately, her parents, which is my sister and her partner, they decided to go their separate ways. And sometimes, unfortunately, in situations where the parents separate, they get caught up in their feelings and towards each other, and they're not putting the child first. So with my niece, when she was with me, it was great because I was able to mold her, set discipline for her from a very young age. But when she would go to her father, and my sister was here as well, there were three different parenting styles. And she didn't get a lot of love and affection when she was with her dad. I remember when she was a bit older and she was able to articulate and speak better. You know, she, when we would sit down and have dinners, I would say, baby, you need to chew slowly, like chew your food because it will digest. And she told me much later, oh, Mosi, like auntie in, in our language, it's called Mosi. So she would say, oh, Mosi, but you know, dad, when he sits down to feed me, it needs to be done quickly because he needs to get back to whatever he needs to do. And also he needs to, he wants to go back to playing video games. He doesn't want to give her an hour to sit there and finish her food. So because of the circumstances that she was growing up with, there was no structure. Given that nobody understood her little mind, her emotions, and because she wasn't able to convey She had to put on a different hat and play a different role when she was with her dad. Be really timid. Don't speak up. Nobody was listening to her. So, and nobody was respecting her. So when she was, you know, as kids, when they can't convey the emotions, they act out. So she would come, when she would come over to my place, she would act out because she lacked that lack of respect, right? Because she wasn't getting what she needed to fill fulfill her emotional needs. So I understood that, but I thought, okay, unfortunately, I can't be there in the household with her dad to help rectify the problems. But what I can do is provide structure for her here. And so when she was staying with me for a very prolonged period of time and during the pandemic when she was here with us, she was really acting out. And at that time, she must have been 11. 
Yeah, I love it. So she had just come back from her dad's house. A lot of things had happened there and she was displeased. She came here. She was staying with my mom and I and she knows me. Like I give you unconditional love. But with that unconditional love doesn't mean that you can just run wild with it, you know? Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give her some space, let her act out. But she took that for granted. And that's when I sat down with my mom and I said, I'm going to put some ground rules in place and you will have to agree with me. We can't be on two different pages when trying to discipline my niece. So she really tried to push the boundaries with my mom and I because she wasn't able to push the boundaries at home. She was stifled. Her voice was stifled. So we tried to be understanding and I would tell her, listen, baby, if you do X, Y, and Z, then there are going to be consequences. So very early on from a young age, I drilled into her head that actions have consequences, right? So when she would act out and she would say, well, I want an ice cream now. And I said, no, you're not getting one. Well, why, Mosi? Do you remember what you did today? Did you do anything naughty? Yes, I did. So then she would tell me what she did. And I said, remember what I've always told you, actions have consequences. So now do you, tell me, do you think you deserve that ice cream? No, I don't. Okay, well then let's see how you act tomorrow. Then I'll assess if you deserve that, right? I can't keep rewarding you for bad behavior. And I remember one time she was just, oh, she was having a day. She was speaking back to my mom, not listening to me. And usually like, I, sh there were very few times that I had to repeat myself three times. On the third time, and if my voice reaches a certain decibel, it's the mom voice. Yeah, but it was above the mom voice, right? Like I'm screaming from downstairs and you're upstairs, but it had been it, it had been ongoing all day. She came back downstairs and she was trembling mm -hmm. in fear, mm -hmm. right? And I, Sam, my gut instinct was to just hold her mm -hmm. and say it's okay and, you know, pat her back. But, and I don't know how I held myself back. And I, you know, as parents, like it's hard to just say it's okay and I had to take in a deep breath and say no and remind myself it's for her own good, mm -hmm. right? So I told her, sit down on the couch. And then I crouched down again to her eye level and the tears were just streaming down her eyes. And I said to her, I said, you know what you did, right? And she said, yes. And I said, you know, and I said, it's been building up and enough is enough. And I said to her, I said, I know you are going through some emotions and it's okay. You need some time apart. Maybe you want to be left alone, right? Or you can't express what's going on in your head. And that's okay. So I'm going to give you one to two hours to yourself. So I don't do timeouts against the wall because I think that's detrimental to brain development for a child. But I will give you your space because just like adults, sometimes we need a timeout from everything. I think that was important that I taught her that you have your timeout. You go to your room. I'm not taking away your toys, but I want you to reflect back. And I'm going to come in in an hour and a half to two hours to check in on you. And we're going to have a chat. Mind you, within an hour, she was back to her normal self. And I said, can we talk now? And she said, yes. And then she told me what was on her mind. And I said, okay, thank you for telling me. But understand that I am not acting out of malice. I am doing this for your own good. Because if I don't discipline you now within the four walls of my house, you're going to think it's okay to push these boundaries. And I don't know how much further you're going to take it. Mm -hmm. And how much further you're going to take it when you step outside of these, the walls of this house. You know, the other thing I also told her, I said, there's so many problems all around us, but you 
you are to approach life with a solution. If there's a problem, you be the solution. And for me, these things may seem impractical, but to some people to teach from such a young age, but seeing from the circumstances that she came from, it was all the more important for me to really tell her that there's always going to be problems. There's going to be circumstances you can't deal with. But if you take a time out in that moment to yourself, you can reassess and you can then talk about your feelings. It's okay to talk about your feelings, right? You're not going to be punished for that. So I wanted to create that safe space for her while also holding her accountable. Mm -hmm. Let's not let go of the accountability for her. And the other thing too I did with her was I used to take away her phone. And I know a lot of kids throw tantrums about her phone. I remember once I had her phone for... oh. I had taken it away for five days. On the fifth day, she came and asked me, she goes, Mosi, can I have my phone now? And I said, almost. I said, but you did something really naughty today. She said, yes, I did. Okay, how about tomorrow? She said, okay. And I think it was on the eighth day that I gave her the phone. I was so proud of her. And even right now, like, I just, I couldn't believe that she did throw a tantrum. She knew I had taken her phone away, right? But these things didn't happen overnight. It is a lot of training and coaching and if your boys are acting out or if they're not listening like what do you and your husband absolutely so there was a couple of things that you had mentioned that i absolutely agree with kids need routine kids need structure my husband and i we are always on the same page with each other mm -hmm. you know it, even though maybe one's playing good cop the other playing bad cop we're still on the same page. We know how we want to structure our kids, how we want to raise the kids, how we want to discipline our kids. We're not bickering amongst each other mm -hmm. to discipline our kids. We're always supportive of how we are going to teach our kids how to be right or to do the right things. Mm -hmm. So that there was a couple of things that you had mentioned that I absolutely agree with. Kids always need that structure and that routine. They're always looking up to us, right? And if they know that they can push buttons and boundaries, they will do it. They will act out. I absolutely do not like it when kids don't know how to behave in public. It takes a lot of practice. And my kids are still misbehaving in public. But I think for the most part, they're pretty very well-behaved can i interject there sorry not to cut you off but what you were saying about kids behaving well in public i do agree with that but i think like certain times i've seen people where get so irritated at the slightest sight of a kid misbehaving and i think people forget that they're kids they're just kids they're kids being kids sure sometimes they may get a little loud but they're not like really rambunctious and I just wanted to really stress that, you know, that I think it would help if people had a little bit more patience and really telling themselves in their head, they're just kids being kids. You know, we take our kids to very nice restaurants, mm -hmm. right? And when I'm walking in with my kids in tow, there will be, you know, the older generation, they'll just stare. They're like, why would you bring your kids into this restaurant? Mm-hmm. And they are like, 
just staring at us as if we're bringing in something like as if we're bringing in freaks or something like it's taboo yeah yes and then i was like why are you staring you don't even know my kids yet give them a chance Mm -hmm. so my kids are coming in we sit down we order have our food nothing bad happens and one of the ladies comes up to me and said your kids are so very well behaved and i said thank you yeah happens all the times too when i go to the stores make my returns they just find a seat sit there and the cashier says oh my gosh i cannot believe your kids are just sitting there so they know they know when they can be kid when they can run around when they can be loud and then they also know when is the right time to just behave and really, like you just shared about taking them to a nice restaurant is that exposure. They wouldn't know how to behave in certain places if you didn't give them the exposure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So a couple of things that we do, you know, my two boys are very different. Mm-hmm. You know, seven and nine. One's very outgoing, athletic, loud, <laughs> who loves attention. The other one can be by himself. No problem. My youngest learns from the oldest. The oldest is always getting in trouble. (laughs) So my youngest is so easy. He sees, oh, brother did this. Now brother's getting in trouble. So I better not do that. And I- Oh, he learns quickly. He learns quick. But my oldest loves pushing buttons. And we've tried many variations of discipline. Taking things away, even yelling at him sometimes. And now we just we realize that the way he learns things i'm not quite sure it, this is kind of like a side note but i'm not quite sure if you if you heard about like the love language the different kinds of lang- love, love yes love discipline love language something like that there's a book on it and i was introduced to that book by my in-law mm. because we were just struggling with him with my oldest. I didn't know how to get through to him. I didn't know. Was this recently or was this uh, over the last couple of years? It's been a couple of years. Mm. Yeah. We just didn't know how to show him that we still love him, even though we're disciplining him. Sometimes the way we disciplined him would be worse. So we would always have to change our techniques Mm -hmm. on how we do it to get through to him. Now we realize that all you need to do to get through to my oldest is to just talk to him, explain to him what he did wrong and explain the consequences of his actions. And he would just get it like that. Whereas before when we were just taking things away from him, taking away his toys, his iPad, taking away his time to be outside, that just frustrates him more because he has so much energy built up. Mm -hmm. He can't contain that energy. He can't contain it. And now we realize if you just talk to him and explain what he's doing wrong, at the moment, he doesn't know that he's doing it wrong, right? Like when you're a kid Mm -hmm. or you're three, third grader, second grader, third, fourth grader, you don't see that you're doing it wrong. You just see yourself having fun or somebody's hurting you. Right. Or taking away your fun. But if you just explain it to him, he'll really understand that a lot more than actual discipline. Because that to him is more harsh and he's not unable to comprehend. Yes. It is just the same way that when my dad took my phone Mm -hmm. and 
smashed it on the floor. That to me is like the light bulb to him. Ah, uh, uh, okay, makes That's sense. When he starts seeing his consequences, the actions mm-hmm. that he's doing. You know. Mm-hmm. So very two very very different people. My youngest. I don't really have to discipline him. Because he learns, he sees sees what he's, his brother's doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And he learns from it. And he's such a quick learner. You're so lucky. Very. You know, but, but Sam, like going back to what you were saying just moments ago, how you and your husband have really had to figure out through trial and error. Yes. And this is why when I, at the beginning of the podcast, I said, parenting, it's a very complex journey. It's not easy. You have to figure out as you go along and with how your child is developing and evolving and you have to adapt and understand. And I think what a lot of people lack is the patience to sit down and really figure out what's going on, right? You think like yelling's not working. Why is he not doing this? I'll take away all these his things. And then it sometimes can spiral into a negative outcome yeah a lot of times just recently like over the summer my oldest was like nobody loves me Mm. no one loves me no one cares for me you guys you guys are just always yelling at me Um, no one's listening to me and then i was like okay how do we change this approach what are we doing wrong and so then we just started talking to him and explaining to him what are our expectations for him what is he doing wrong how can we help him see other people's perspectives and then that's when we finally just got to him and that's when the light bulb kicked in for me i was just gonna say probably for all of you guys right yeah Yeah. he doesn't need this other type of discipline that maybe my parents did on me right he needs a different type of discipline you know you just need to talk to him and that's it because there's so much we take whether we're aware of not, but it does show up f- from how we were raised by our parents, right? But the our greatest benefit is we have so many resources available at our fingertips that they didn't have. Mm-hmm. But we do not lack resources. We lack the time to sit down and focus because we are, everybody's so overstimulated yeah. and... You're just on the go. On the go. Yes. Yes. You're trying to build their future and nurture them for the long term. Right. Kudos to you for that investment, you know, because a a lot of parents struggle and it's hard when you're frustrated with your kids. It is very hard. It's very, it's just so easy to just say, you know what, I'm done. I give up 100% whatever you want to do. Absolutely. Or, and sometimes you do need to step away from your kid. I have, I have, yeah. Yeah, you need to. Just for your own sake. Just so you don't blow up at them yeah. for something that you would have not said if you had just stepped away for a little bit. Yeah, and you know, and it's still a learning. It's, we're all still learning. Mm-hmm. One thing that works now may not work next year. Right. So we're just always changing, always communicating, always talking. Definitely though, my son, my oldest is my biggest challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. But you know what? We have to think of our kids as an investment, right? Mm. But then also, they are our legacy, mm-hmm. right? You are your parents' legacy. Mm-hmm. I am my parents' legacy. What is it that we want to teach our kids? How is it that what we are, I am my parents' best representation of them, mm-hmm. right? 
So like, for example, my mom was very dependent on my dad, right? Mm. She came to America not knowing the language, not knowing anything. Mm -hmm. So she was very reliant on my dad for lots of things, you know, just for company, for financial reasons. Mm -hmm. He was the one going out, making the money, very reliant. And then she realized that she doesn't want her kids to be like this. Right. She doesn't want her kids to be reliant on their spouse. She wants her kids to be financially dependent. Be financially dependent on, you know, ourselves. Yeah. And all three of us are like this. All three of her kids. My dad was very fortunate to have an education back in Asia. Mm -hmm. So education was very important for him and was always, for us, our community in particular, graduating from high school wasn't an option. Graduating from college for us was not an option. We had to graduate. Mm -hmm. We were the only family in the, the Laos community where all three kids, all kids graduated from college. Wow. Yeah. What a proud achievement for your parents. So my parents wanted that for themselves and for us, and that's their legacy for us, right? My brother, manager for some IT environment. My sister works for Google. I had recently, you know, so got my promotion mm-hmm. and then very nice one at that so proud of you <laughs> and so now we can say yes what our parents wanted for us what my dad wanted for us what my mom wanted for us we lived it we are their legacy that is they, but you know and I, for the audience if you're listening in you might say well that's pressure they didn't pressure you to follow a certain like become a doctor, which is very common. Like, oh, you have to become a doctor. They wanted you to do the best for you, for your own future. Yeah. That's why they pushed you. Yeah. That's why we're able to do certain things because they saw our potential and pushed us in the right direction. At times, we may be, we may have been frustrated for it. But at this juncture in our life, you look back and you say, I am thankful. Yeah. Thank you. It must not have been easy. We didn't understand you. But by God, you didn't give up on on us. And thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And so now when I have my kids, when I think about disciplining them, what is it that I want to teach them? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. What is it that I want them to learn Mm -hmm. so that they can better themselves and not feel so stressed that, oh my gosh, I have to be perfect. I have to be perfect because my parents want me to be this way. But it's not just being perfect. It's how do you learn to reflect on yourself? How do they learn to reflect so that they can be a better person or the person that they feel is the best that they can be, mm-hmm. you know? So you just kind of have to think about that. Your kids are your legacy. So what is it that you want to learn and what you want them to learn? You know, you put it in such an eloquent way because what I would tell my niece, I said, when you're going out, you know, exactly what you said, you are a representation of my values and what I am instilling in you every day. Yeah. The way you show up is how I'm showing up. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I told her, I said, I don't care what you decide to go and study in college, but you not went to college is not an option. This is for your future. And say, for instance, if you don't want to do a traditional four-year schooling, do something that will help you in the future. You are free to explore the world The world is at your fingertips, darling. However, you know, I want you to do something that will 
help you provide a shelter over your head and also that you can do good for the community. Yeah. What are you doing in being a good human being and being a value, again, being a solution, not a problem to the people around you? Exactly. And I think like, you know, some people may not agree, but when kids take that on and you and I, like when our parents instilled in us too, you also then start collecting like-minded people mm-hmm. as well. And I think that too is so important for your growth and your journey ahead. Yeah. And then right now, you know how kids are just so into social media. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Talks, YouTubes. And so every year we ask our kids, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? Right. So my kids go, I want to be a YouTuber, but this is their thing, Ash. They said, I want to be a farmer, a YouTuber, and an engineer. A farmer. And they said, I am going to make things that will help me around the farm. I will grow my own food and be sustainable that way. And when communities, their neighbors have no food, they will share their food because they are farmers. And then I am so proud. The kicker, YouTube comes into play because they want to create videos to show educate how to become a farmer and to grow your own food. I mean, and we don't tell our kids this stuff. Aren't you so proud? My heart is about to explode just listening to this. And I was like, how do you guys even think of this stuff to Say you want to be an engineer to create robots, build robots to help you on the farm so that you can feed your community. And then you're going to make videos and put it on YouTube so that others can learn from what you're doing. And oh my gosh, the whole entire world. They're so young. They're not even teenagers. And so I'm just like floored when I heard that from them. And then I'm just like, okay, I am doing something right. That what you just said, you're doing something right. In the moments when you question yourself, when you're being harsh and you see their tears and then their when their face gets this small when you're yelling at them. And then moments like this happen, you're like, okay, when I put that rock on my heart and I was being a mean person to them. Yeah. Right. It was for them to realize their mistakes. And from that, this has flourished. Mm -hmm. And just like in our lives, we've had to go through so many hardships and figure out what's working and what's not working. And our methods may be strict and not for everybody, but look at what they're yielding. Yeah. Like you get to see really all the talks, the discipline, how you're raising your kids. And then now they're telling you, Mm-hmm. When I get older, this is what I want to do. You know, they're not using social media to do trick shots and, you know, be a millionaire off of video gaming. I don't know. Right. I don't know what it is that they do. But for them to just say that to me. They thought the keyword sustainability, community. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's just our way of teaching our kids. We're very open. Mm-hmm. Just make, we discuss a lot of social issues with our kids, even now. My youngest, he's, we started with him when he was just five, talking about social issues, you know, telling them about homeless people, telling them about just climate change, the world, how difficult people's lives can really be. 
you know, opening up their eyes so they can see that life isn't just about the little bubble and the community that they live in. Expose them to the negative things in life too, just so they can understand it. You know, Sam, I'm so glad you shared that because it triggered the same things with my niece. When every time I would go buy her toys, and I started this with her when she was three years old, I would say, baby, let's go get you new toys. I would be the one to get her new toys because she would be playing with broken ones. But I said, let's take out what you want to donate. Mm -hmm. So even at three years old, I started explaining to her, you know, there's people who don't have toys. Can we give some of your toys for them to play with? Okay, sure. And literally... Without even thinking at such a young age, she would give away half her toys. And then I remember as she got older, we were driving to get Chipotle. And she saw a homeless guy. But his his arms were, one of them wasn't fully formed. And it was kind of bent inwards. And she said something. It wasn't a, an, exactly a mockery. So when we, I parked the car and I, uh, we, before we got out, I said, baby. I said, you don't make fun of anybody. You don't know what position they're in. I said, that was very rude. Please don't do that again. And then I made her, I took her with me and we walked to the corner where that guy was and I made her give him the money Mm -hmm. just so she understood. Because I taught her that before she was five years old, right? You were saying about exposing them to like the social issues. When the pandemic happened and there was like, with the George Floyd thing, there was a lot of riots and protests happening. So I exposed her to the news, but she was only forming one opinion. I wanted her to see, come to a logical reasoning, and I wanted to see her assess both sides of the situation. So I thought, okay, the news is too daunting. This is too much for her little brain. So we looked at all the protests and I said, baby, do you want to go be a part of the protest? She said, no. I said, okay. So I saw that our city was damaged. But then I saw also on social media that people were going to go clean up. So I said to her the next, I told her that night, I said, go to bed early. We're waking up early to go help in the cleanup process. Mm -hmm. So me and my mom, we took our brooms, we took our gloves, we took some plastic bags to collect and help clean up all of the damage that was done by silly people who wanted to damage businesses in their protests. Yeah. You know, and this is again, exposing her to these things happen you are not going to be part of that group of people who goes and vandalizes. You are instead going to wake up and be a solution. Mm -hmm. And she was so happy to do it. There was no qualms, gladly went with me and exposing her. Look at what happened. Is this okay? No. Should she act like this? No. What are you going to do? I'm going to come help clean up. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it's so important to instill these lessons from a young age and it really pains me Sam when I see kids her age plus or minus a couple years they're partaking in being a problem and not a solution and that breaks my heart because they're our future yeah and that's why it's up to us to yeah explain to our kids why it's not good Mm -hmm. people do things for a reason doesn't mean that it's always the solution but as long as they're doing what they feel is right and they're not hurting anyone, I'm right. all for it. You know, and we tell them all the time, do what you want to do. Do what you think is going to make you happy. Do mm-hmm. what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. But make sure that you're not hurting others along the way, mm-hmm. you know? So that's what we're teaching them. So happy. So proud. <laughs> wow. Okay, Sam, I know we've discussed like a lot about like our parenting styles and shared a lot of stories. What are the other things like when we were together, 
you shared with me because you know you're bringing up two boys and this is stuck in my head and i wanted to discuss with you is you're teaching your boys at such a young age mm -hmm. the meaning of the word no no that when somebody says no yeah woman whoever it may be it's no. a firm no no means no so tell me at what age did you start teaching them i'm just so proud i don't know so my youngest now is seven so way before then mm -hmm. when they can comprehend that when we say yes or when we say no and it can be something very simple as in can i have another piece of candy mm -hmm. yes you may no you cannot stuff like that mm -hmm. that's just something that they can comprehend at a young age now i have snacks candies chips junk food all over my house mm -hmm. and it's still sitting there my kids know if they say mom can i have a piece of candy yes you may how many can i have you can have two pieces they will take two pieces and that's it because and then if they ask for a third and i say no it's a no. So that's kind of how I started building up on yes means yes, no means no. Mm -hmm. And then we tell them, you really need to take it seriously when someone says no. You might not know that you're hurting them, mm -hmm. but you need to take it seriously. So now I catch my boys saying <laughs> it to each other. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, can I take your toy? No. The other one snatches it. No means no. That's amazing. <laughs> no, so it's like, I mean, they're not going to listen. Of course, of course. I mean, again, they're still being kids. They're still kids. Yes. They're, and it's so hard for them to say, oh, but I really want this. I really want that. But we're just really teaching them on a level that they can understand. Absolutely, yes. That when someone says no, whether it's me, your brother, teachers, friends that they play with, when they say no, it's a no. And you really need to respect that. So we're really trying to teach them at a young age. And we do tell them when they don't listen and they're still trying to get that toy or trying to get whatever it is that they want and they're pushing it, we talk to them. It's okay for you to not want to listen now, but when you get older, we're telling you this, we're teaching you this because when you get older and you're in that situation where you're with a girl you like or with friends and peer pressure. Peer pressure. Mm. When you say no, you want your friends to respect that. Because no. that's your boundary. You know? And I hope they really understand that when they're in this situation, when someone says no, it's a no. Don't pressure your friends to do something otherwise that they're not comfortable in doing. And we have. My husband and I have talked to, to them about it. Mm -hmm. This is what we're trying to teach you. When you get older and you're still not listening to when someone says no, you can go to jail. Yeah. There are really big consequences. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're trying to teach this to them now at a younger age than maybe when they're in sixth grade or middle school. When I heard you say that, I was so blown away. And again, I'm just so proud. Like so proud to be your friend so proud to see how you're raising your kids because hearing you say that it also took me back to like my nephews when i interact with them it's the same thing with them they are so respectful towards women and again they're teenagers so they're loud and they don't get everything right and they're 
boys just being boys yeah. At, yeah. at times. But I see how well, you know, they treat their girlfriends or the, the girl they're taking to prom. You know, I was just overseas and one of my nephews, he's a teenager, he was taking somebody out to prom and I was asking him why he was doing certain things. I said, baby, I think that is the girl supposed to do. And he said, no, Mosi, I'm a man. It's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I went with him while he did certain things. And I was just so proud that look at this 17-year-old. Yeah. If he is this way, and hopefully he doesn't get jaded by like life in the future. And I hope he remains to his core the person he is today. And the, the way he's acting in a manner that is so respectful. What more could you ask for? Yeah. You know, as a parent. And some of the other qualities, too, that I see in him, in both the boys, when I'm there, you know, usually teenagers, they're really shy, don't come into my room, they don't want to share things. I will say to him, baby, I don't have a t-shirt, because I had brought, like, winter stuff. I said, I need a t-shirt, it's too hot in this state. So he goes, mostly just go into my closet and pick whatever you want. He goes, these are brand new shirts I've never worn. And I thought, what teenager <laughs> want voluntary, voluntarily open up the closets and say, just go through my new stuff. And he even changed his bedding and he said, here you go. You sleep on my bed today. I'm going to sleep on the, you know, pull out sofa bed. My heart just swells with pride. And I went back and I told my sister, my brother-in-law, I said, you guys are always yelling at your kids, but you're not seeing what I'm seeing of the outstanding men that you have raised. Yeah. You know, sure, they're going to give you a headache because they're not doing what you want them to do, which and is be teenagers. Right. They're still discovering. But I said, if you just step back and look at them holistically, what fine men that you have raised mm-hmm. is something to just tip your hat off to. And I do that with them and with you. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, keep going. Thank you. We're doing our best. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's all you can do. Yeah. You know, there's no guidebook. Yeah. There's no guidebook. You're discovering how your children are growing up, how they're evolving, and you're adapting to meet their needs. In that process, you're also growing and evolving as a person. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's all you can do. Oh my gosh. That's so great. Okay. So that closes off our topic for parenting. But one of the other things too, Sam, is I know you have... Um, do certain things with your boys like when you travel as well like safety tips and i would like you to share i think it's so prominent i haven't thought of some of these things and i thought oh my gosh it's a no-brainer why don't i do this so if you could share that maybe some of the audience may benefit from from that as well so we've been traveling a lot especially more so after covid i think it's very cheesy but i do it all the time I dress my kids up in bright clothes. I make sure that their jackets, you know, if they're wearing layers, one of their layers, whether it's their jacket or a sweater or even their shirt that they're wearing is bright. Mm-hmm. Yellow, red. Like you really want them to stand out. <laughs> I want them to stand out. They're always in very bright hats, caps. You know, red is what they prefer. They also have a really bright green mm-hmm. and a really, really bright blue um, hat that they wear when whenever we're out. I always take photos of them, especially if we're out and about going to crowded areas. I always have a photo of them making sure I have a really recent photo. They hate the photos, honestly, but I think it's one of the best things a parent can do because if your child ever gets lost, 
you just pull up the photo. What was the last thing they wore? The last thing they had on. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's very, very important. And then just recently, we bought the iPod Air. Air tags. Air tags. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then they have these little like safety pin clips. Yep. And then we clip them on Mm -hmm. and close on the inside. Just not on the outside where, you know, people can see, but just really discreetly in, in the inside of their sweaters or their pants, something like that. And... That's how we... Whatever gives you a little peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so important, especially with the... You hear so much on the news about kids just getting snatched. And again, kids, no matter how much you want to keep them just glued to your side, they're going to step away. And knowing that you did the best you could in preparing... It's going to be helpful for you in the long run. And I wanted you to share that tip because, you know, I try to keep my niece. I've always told her, the minute you get out of my eyesight, we're going to have a problem. problem. Yes. But again, eyesight doesn't mean that like she could be two arms length away. She's still within my eyesight and something could happen to her. So like when you said that, I literally a light bulb went off and I thought, oh, gosh. I need to start implementing some of the things you're doing and most importantly, taking pictures of what they were last wearing. Mm-hmm. So and this is why I wanted to share because it just was like, oh gosh, why haven't I been doing this? So to the listeners, maybe some people can benefit and start implementing what you're saying or something different just for safety. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Especially when we're traveling, you know, safety is always a concern for us. Yep. Yep. With the kids, you know, it's not like we want them stuck on our side all mm-hmm. the time. They can have their freedom, but I just want to make sure that we did our best to keep our kids safe. Yeah. And I remember you were, you were telling me with their bright clothes, you could identify them from a mile away. From a mile away. I (laughs) kid you not. Sometimes you'll just be at the park playing and I can be like, where are my kids? Where are my kids? Oh yeah. They're right there. Two little red hats running around. Yep. I see them. And they don't even protest at this point anymore. No, they know. When I go out, I need to have my hats on. They know that. Nice. Very nice. Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining me. Oh my gosh, this has been such a delight. I feel like we could just keep going on, but I also don't think this will be the last time we're chatting. I think you'll be back again as a guest. And I'm so excited for that. So to my audience listening in, I want to say thank you for joining Sam and I on Between Us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If so, please continue to... Actually, I encourage you to subscribe and listen to the podcast so you never miss out on any of the upcoming ones. From our discussion today, I think I want to leave the audience with this little tidbit, which is, again, it just remember that parenting is such a complex and evolving journey. You have to adapt to the needs of your child while navigating the challenges of the daily lives. And while we may face criticisms from our loved ones and... There's so many different viewpoints along the way. Just learn to embrace those differences because that is what ultimately leads to a more inclusive and compassionate understanding of the different ways we all strive to guide the next generation. I think we're all doing the best we can for the future and for the betterment of the children that we're raising. There's no perfect way of doing it. And I want to applaud all the parents who get up every day and are just putting in the effort to do the best you can. You guys are all doing an amazing job. So kudos to all of you. Until next time then, everybody, let's keep exploring, keep being open, 
and uh, listening with an open heart and open mind. I'll talk to you all soon. Thank you.